does it feel killing your own kind? I don't retire my own kind because we don't run. Only older models do. Your new models are happy scraping the shit. Because you've never seen a miracle. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Rotten Potato Podcast, a podcast where four friends sit down and review movies that you absolutely should have already seen. My name is Zach, and I'm here with three of my very good friends. I'm Tyler. I'm Tenan. I'm Jake. All right. (laughs) Zach, are you taking notes on your intro? Uh, Because I think it was good. It just wasn't breathy enough. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) That was way breathier than I remember watching. That was so unfortunate because I I even thought to myself, which, like, what would I have chosen? And that would have been the one. But it just, it played a lot worse. Yeah, it did not. It's because I think the one, the place I recorded it from, the audio was not right. Yeah, I can (laughs) confirm because that that gunshot was like, (laughs) I can confirm that that audio was not correct. I noticed it when I did it and I was like, I don't care. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I appreciate that. Yeah, that was super distorted. Uh, You're welcome, everybody, courtesy of Scott. Yeah, sorry about that. I, I'm embarrassed. For Welcome you guys. to Chili's. I'm sorry. Zach, what movie? Since there is no shot anyone could uh, could figure it out from that <laughs> audio, understand intro, any of that. Nobody what, knows that that's me and Batista talking. <laughs> <laughs> what movie are we reviewing? We are reviewing the sequel to Blade Runner. This is Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Well, tell us a little bit about it, man. Like, why? why well, why, I picked what, this what, movie. Why? I picked this movie because I freaking love this movie. And I have for a very long time wanted to do it for the podcast, but I never felt like we could just skip straight to it. And I didn't really want to have to pick Blade Runner. And so Jake fell on that sword for me. I'm very appreciative of that. I'm a good friend. In a year where he's contending with Tyler for the belt. I know. Jake took a, I I will say, I, I also took a dive. With Disaster Artist? By moving, yeah, by moving Disaster Artist Eternal Sunshine could have been a heavy hitter. It could have been a heavy hitter. I will say about Eternal Sunshine that I have started and stopped because I didn't like Eternal Sunshine. Oh. That's true. Scott But you had me and Zach. I like Eternal Sunshine. Oh, you've seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, he's seen it. That's kind of surprising to me that you like that movie. Yeah, I watched it probably four years ago. Five years ago. Uh, yeah, and I, I think, two. I think this is, it's, it's Jake's title to lose, uh, since he's got departed, locked and loaded. That's I'm pretty true. excited about it's that. It's yours yeah. to lose. I was talking to my mom yesterday and then she was like, you should pick a Christmas movie since you guys are like going into you December. Should. And I was like, I can't, you should I can't get rid of hours. Departed. You know, Departed, <laughs> because, it, it because takes... it's Departed against city slickers yeah. and we all know how that's going to go. I was go. like, yeah, you think I could put Christmas vacation in there and still win? <laughs> I can't. Jake yeah, has to win this one, all right? It's funny because those seem like those would be opposites for you guys, that you would be departed. He would yeah, be City Slickers. Never that, seen that City Slickers. Feel. Oh, but I just love City Slickers so much. I do love Departed as well. Like, I'm, a, I'm to be honest, I'm going to be rating that one. I'm going to be uh, voting against myself. Like, I'm going to be rating that very high. Well, I'm going to rate City Slickers a 10 
And <laughs> Scott, if you gave your first 10 to City Slickers, I would respect you so much. <laughs> city Slickers is going to give a 10, and Departed is going to get like a 2. And you know, I got to say, Departed takes place over a long period of time. Christmas happens within it. So I think you can make the case it is a Christmas movie. That's fair. Like I won't Hard. be making that case, but I'm glad that you will. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you should. Same as Die Hard. What yeah. is your favorite Christmas movie, and why is it Die Hard? <laughs> Here's why I, it's my favorite because no other Christmas movie kicks as much ass as Die Hard. Amen. Have I have Amen, I told brother. you guys about the uh, the Christmas countdown calendar I saw, which is uh, what's his name falling out of Nakatomi you Plaza? Have. I think that that is a very good. And if we ever get like a like a set, like I think a, we should definitely buy that for it. Oh, for the for the RP set, like an RP set. Yeah, yeah. I think that and like a the the rosary candle of the dude are the only things that I think. So oh, that's a solid that one I think too. we should put on it. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm into that. Well, I'm excited for Departed. But I mean, we sort yeah. of have a set right now. It's just currently mostly cardboard boxes on yeah. Scott's couch. <laughs> I say the, the set is Scott's <laughs> office. <laughs> hey, as soon as our we get more patrons, we can start investing that money into making this into an actual studio. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. So subscribe, please. Yeah. So uh, Scott will finally move the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need money to do that. Scott's holding off. He can't, he can't you know, afford to take the time to move the boxes. You know what's funny is uh, Carla was in here before you guys got here, and she was like, why are there so many boxes here? Like, <laughs> it's disgusting. So Carla's uh, thinking more about our show than you are. That's true. I told her, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, just like when you heard that garbled nonsense at the beginning and thought, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyways, let's let's talk about this movie. Scott, hit us with the facts. All right. This was directed by uh, Denis Villeneuve. Nailed it. Uh, ha- uh, written by Hampton Fancher and Michael Green. Uh, released October 6, 2017. Runtime of 163 minutes. Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 88%. IMDb gave it an 8. Box office of $259 million on a... $185 million budget. So the same exact return as the original Blade Runner 1.4. That's interesting. Um, it did win two Academy Awards for best cinematography, best visual effects, and then lost three other nominations of best product, <laughs> best product design, <laughs> uh, best sound editing and best sound mixing. That I'm was a sure. great, that was a great callback to an old joke. Yeah, <laughs> Scott, I, I think it's pronounced Dennis. Dennis, Dennis. Villeneuve. I think is it's it? the, no. Villanueva. That's what I said the first time. Dennis Villanueva. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. you did. Yeah. Uh, it's not Villanueva. He's French, right? Like yes. you don't. No, he's Canadian. French Canadian, yeah. right? So you don't pronounce most of the letters. I think it would be de. <laughs> That's his whole name. Yeah, de. First and last. Yeah. <laughs> you drop most of the letters. Yeah, That's funny. Thanks, Scott. I liked it. I liked it as much as product design. I give it to him, all right? Give him the laugh. No, it's okay. You don't have to. <laughs> I want to earn it. <laughs> um, Zach, uh, you freaking love this movie. I do. Uh, tell us a little why. Um, I'll tell you why. Everything that it... So anyone who listened to the last episode uh, will then know that I... I find the Blade Runner universe super interesting, intriguing. I think the uh, the set design of it, the, the overall aesthetic of it is really cool, really well done, really great. 
I think this universe is super interesting, super unique. I really want to learn more about it. I love this idea that there are replicants that Blade Runners have to track down and uh, retire. Um, and all of that I, I think is really cool. But the execution of the first one, I don't really love. And, and this, this one just uh, is able to execute in a way the first one just really doesn't for me. And I can get into right now how it does or a little bit later. But... There's just a lot about this movie that I think is done differently that I, I really enjoy, um, like script-wise. But also, this movie is just, it's gorgeous. Uh, it may be my favorite movie to just, like, look at, like, just to put it on and just look at. Um, I think Roger Deakins did an excellent job, and it's the first film that he actually ended up winning an Academy Award for. Um, but I, I find the script just so much more compelling. Um, and there's a lot about it that I, I really enjoy and I'm excited to get into it. But yeah, I, I just really, really love it. I think it might be my favorite Denis film, which is saying wow. a lot because I love all his movies. Right. He's great. Well, I had seen this movie before as well and watching it again, honestly, the first time I watched it, I'm going to confess something to you guys. Didn't like it. No, I mean, I, I, I for sure didn't like it, but also, uh, I went into it this time. I was like, I think I didn't realize until like pretty close to the end of the movie that the first time I watched it in theaters that, uh, Ryan Gosling was playing a replicant. I like, was going to talk about, it was in the opening scene. That, I know. That's what I was going to talk what about. I'm saying watching it this is, time. I was like, man, I, I have to admit something very foolish and, and like, like, I have to I have to follow my sword to you guys. The, the first time I watched this, I understood it so little that watching it through this time, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is in the first sentence of dialogue." Like I, <laughs> like, uh, I was gonna say, I think that is one of the better, like, working exposition into dialogue that I've seen in any movie, where okay. it's just like he's like, "You, how how does it feel retiring your own kind?" Oh right, like, right. oh he's a replicant. Right, yeah. right. I didn't know yeah. that. Right, but it wasn't like. Hey, you're he's a, also, he's a replicant. Yeah, right. And he's he's a robot. He's not a real person. Right. Like I think like they worked that in so naturally. And no, I thought I that agree. was excellent. And I agree so much so that the first time I watched it in theaters, I didn't even notice it. So this time watching it through, I liked this movie significantly more, mostly because apparently like I understood what they were trying to do the second time. And I actually didn't even understand what they were trying to do the first time. Well, and I'll be honest too, rewatching it this time. I remembered that K that Ryan Gosling, that his character is a replicant, but I couldn't, I forgot that that was revealed so early in the movie. And so as we're watching it, I was thinking to myself like, Oh man, like, does this movie try to make me guess if he's a replicant or not throughout the movie? If so, that's going to feel really derivative and I might have an issue with that. I don't remember why that didn't bug me prior. And then we find out so quickly that, no, explicitly he is one. I think that's such a good idea because I think that that would have felt really derivative of the first one if the entire time you are trying to figure out is Kay a replicant or not. And I'm totally. glad that they just explicitly tell us within the first 10 minutes of the movie. Mm -hmm. No, well, I, it's I agree. the first 10 seconds of the movie. I, feel I, like. I don't think it's that, that quick necessarily, but it's, it's very early it's, on. Yeah. It's super quick. And, and I think that made me like this movie watching it through this time way more than I watched it through the first time. I think the first time I watched it, I just really didn't get it. And I walked away from it. Like 
man, that was bad. Like I, I just walked away from it from theaters. Like, man, I, I, I just hate Blade Runner and I don't get Blade Runner at all. And watching it through this time, I liked it a lot more. Um, I agree that this is just such a pretty movie. It's so, so pretty to look at. Um, and I think that Denis has like, I think with this and then followed up not that long after by Dune has like cemented himself as like the artist of making what we always wanted the first time, the second time. Uh, and I think that's a, that's an impressive, like following up, you know, Lynch and Scott with, you know, Blade Runner and then Dune, uh, inversely, not respectively. I, I mean, I think he, he freaking killed it. And so I, I really liked this movie a lot. Uh, there are some things that I still don't care for. But by and large, I, I liked it quite a bit. But Scott and Jake, you were both late bloomers to this, oh. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, you are champing at the bit right now. Am I? A little bit. I mean, you know, you've got Mike in hand. You're like, you're rock fisting it. You're ready to go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll go. Us, man. Uh, I, I watched this movie and I was confused because I was like, <laughs> when, like, how did they, I didn't remember any cameras being there when I did this. Mm-hmm. You know, because I right, was like, that's right. me right up there. Right. Right. And then I was, I talked to a friend there, like apparently it's a guy called Ryan Gosling and they were doing a documentary Who? About, about me. Oh, uh, got it. And they didn't talk to me about it. So I was confused at how they got it. So right. They used it without your permission. Right. Yeah. I was like, I can't believe that they knew that I was married to hologram Anna to Armas. Wow. Like, you know, like I couldn't believe I couldn't. <laughs> Sorry, you lost it. It was when yeah, you signed your it. contract for this pod. We gave them the rights to your life. Oh, okay, yeah, and, and that applied retroactively because yeah. this yeah. movie came out before we started the pod. I think. Well, yeah. well, we made you sign I mean, back when you were in high school. Yeah, so. we we tr- in the future. Do my this? parents have to co-sign? No, on that? No, 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 no. I wasn't eighteen when I graduated it high school. Matter. Yeah, but okay. in the future of this podcast, when we invent time machine to go back in time to make you sign that you're of age in the future. So it doesn't matter that makes because sense. in the that future tracks. where time travel exists, we've decided that, that the age of consent is whenever you are in real time, not in altered time. That, that makes doesn't sense. sound like science, but it does sound like fiction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but seriously, I, I like this movie a fair amount. I, I liked it. It was, I, I think you, you nailed it. Whereas like, this is what I wanted when I watched Blade Runner. Yeah. Uh, I love Ryan Gosling. Um, I don't, I don't like old man Harrison Ford. I like young man Harrison Ford, which was something I forgot to say in in the the episode about Blade Runner. Um, but I, I like this movie a lot. I think very pretty, and I think that it it is what I wanted when I was watching the last movie, and it, it made me glad that I picked the last movie so that we could do this movie. Mm. Well, and I wouldn't. Uh feel mad about uh, talking at all about Blade Runner while we talk about this movie, mostly because anyone who's going to listen to one of these episodes is definitely listening to both of them. I, yeah, I don't know anybody. <laughs> I don't know anybody who likes Blade Runner that hates Blade Runner 2049, no. but I do know people that don't like Blade Runner that like Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. yeah. And, but everybody has seen both and will want to talk about both. They'll, they'll want to listen to both. Yeah. Scott, you were also a late bloomer to 2049. What do you think, man? I was. Um, immediately way better 
<laughs> than Blade Runner. Did you like a deep exhale sigh of relief? Like, oh, thank God. Like, yeah. The only thing that I was like unsure about, I was like, you okay, saw Dave this... Batista and you're like, oh, Drax is in yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally said, I was like, Drax is in this? <laughs> um, I'll like this. <laughs> but what uh, happened to his tattoo? I saw the three hour time, time frame on it and I was like, oh, this better be better mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because this is going to be rough if this is the same. Um, and I would say it was a little too long for me. I, yeah. I think it should have cut. I don't know what I would cut out, but there's, there's definitely were things that they could have cut out to make it a little bit shorter. Um, yeah, I think it, the opening scene with Dave Bautista is like gripping. Mm. Um, and immediately like something that the first one didn't do was like, I was in it. I was like, okay, like time to finally explore what this world is, uh, 30 years later. Um, and so it's up there for me with like inglorious bastards. And I'm sure if I spent more time thinking, no, I'm uh, in terms of like great opening scenes. Oh, gotcha. where I am instantly in, like you just said, Scott. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it, it kicks off the movie excellently. Yeah. And I think they do really have a great cast and they introduce some new fun things like the Anadarmus character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also thought uh, Robin Wright was really good. I think she's a really good actress. Is oh. Robin Wright. The madam, the madam. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like all around, I felt like the acting was way superior to uh, Blade Runner, and there was just so many more like human emotions in this, and more things to latch onto to like connect with and like feel things, and um, so all in all, much more enjoyable experience. I do think it was a little bit too long. Uh, I think cinematography, cinematographically though, it was v- excellent. Um, lots of really cool, interesting shots, lots of great coloring choices, so many different scenes. There was like just dominant colors, um, throughout every element of the scene. I would say the only like weak link in acting for me was Jared Leto. Wasn't a huge fan of him. It was kind of annoying to look at his face a little bit for me, like the <laughs> way he, they did his eyes. And I just have a distaste for Jared Leto. So I'm like kind of writing that off. Like, okay, it's probably sure. just my own bias on Jared Leto. Um, and it's mostly because of Jake and how much Jake trashes him. Oh, I appreciate that I've done that. I have that influence. You have. You know, I don't think I've influenced you in any other way. <laughs> I don't think I've ever influenced Scott in any way. Yeah, Scott's, so uh, Scott's impossible to influence. Yeah, I, I've, yeah, I've I would tried take really hard, and yeah. it, it almost never happens. I would, I would take that win. No, I, well, it's because I'm going to come away. With, I'm going to drive home thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably. I might call my mom. Uh, I'm going to call my girlfriend. <laughs> And talk about that. It's because you, you said stuff, and then I experienced him. I'm like, what Jake said was right. Like, that's stupid and annoying. And You know what's so like interesting, him. too, is, like, I, I don't like Jared Leto necessarily as a person. Like, what I've read about him is uh, wouldn't make me care uh, for him. It's off-putting. Yeah, yeah, it is off-putting. Yeah, off-putting. He, he is an off-putting person. Um, as an actor, I really don't mind him. Mm. I mean, Have you seen um, Mobius, Morbius? No, clearly I've not seen. Oh, you haven't? I have. Have you watched? It was uh, awful. That's why I haven't seen it. Have (laughs) you watched the Eddie Burback video where Eddie Burback watches Morbius four, five times in five days? I don't know who that is. Uh Uh, But I mean, I I haven't seen Morbius. Suicide Squad is terrible, obviously. But But he, you know, he's in Fight Club. Yeah. He's good. He was good in Panic Room. He's been in movies that I like, and he's great in Requiem. I would say the great thing about him in this movie is that there's so little of him. I don't mind him in this movie. He's not even really like the bad guy in this movie. He's just like a side character to the bad guy of, uh, what's her name, like Sally Harmson or something. When you talk about him in, in Fight Club, 
Honestly, if I think about Fight Club, I could think about and talk about that entire movie and never mention Jared Leto. Or think uh, about Jared Leto. I, I really like him in Fight Club. I think he he's, is like he's one of my favorite key parts. to one of the most disturbing yeah, aspects of that movie. I uh, think that could have been anybody though. Sure. Well, but you well, can, then you can go know. down that rabbit trail of like with so many actors. You All know, right, like that, there's fair. there's a lot that's of good fair. actors out there. Yeah. That's fair. Anyways, um th- I thought this was interesting. I, Denise first uh first or I guess preferred person to play Neander, which was Jared Leto's character, was David Bowie. Oh. But he died. He couldn't do it. I could see that. I could see I that. I feel like too. that would have been really interesting. I probably would have liked it more. Yeah. Can I can I tell you guys what Jared Leto described as Neander Wallace? Like the character, like what like drew him to take the role? What? He described Neander Wallace as Elon Musk if he wasn't such an underachiever. Oh wow, that's a solid diss. <laughs> to be honest, that's a great diss. Does that kind of like endear you to Jared Leto a little bit? Because you I hate love Elon Musk. I I hate Elon Musk more than I hate Jared Leto. Jake, so, am I allowed to like him more now, or where should yeah, I? Yeah, I think you are allowed okay. to like him more. There's Just something I've been wanting so. to talk to you about, and maybe we talk about it after the episode with Patreon. But you you said that you didn't think Elon Musk was an idiot, and I've thought about that every day since you said it. <laughs> so I would love to hear why. Well, let's talk about yeah. that off off yeah. main pod. I want to talk a little bit more about Jared Leto uh, because he's clearly like the weirdest part of this movie and this movie is pretty weird. Um, but I actually feel like he kind of fits within the Blade Runner universe. Uh, he feels like he could have been in the first one. Oh, and yeah. I think it's because the first one, like we have some really weird characters that don't feel human. They don't feel realistic at all to like how a, a normal person would react or, or, or act at all, really. And he just kind of feels like he, it just fits. And so I don't mind that performance. I have a question about, before we get into to that, uh, but his eyes, were they, was that because his eyes were gone and he, like the cameras were what he was seeing or was he blind? He's and blind. He seeing what the, it's, it's like drones were seeing. It's two things are going on. One is yes, he is for sure blind. The character is blind and those drones are cameras that he is viewing through. Uh-huh. But the reason why they do his eyes that way is a little bit of an homage to the first Blade Runner where replicants like they did a thing with catch light in their eyes where their pupils look red uh-huh. a lot of times. And it's a way for us as the audience to kind of like see that there's something off about that person uh-huh. is the way that they use light in their eyes. And so it's a little bit like it's for sure to like reinforce the fact that he is blind, uh-huh. but it's also a little bit of like a, an homage to Okay, but but he is seeing through those drones. He's seeing through those drones. Okay. That yeah. I was something I wanted to 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 confirm. He is blind. And Jared Leto acted the entire production of this film that he was in fact blind. Okay. Love it. Yeah, classic Leto. Yeah. Did he also play Denis like described he had it, little things that he was Denis he was described through? it as a little weird, but it did great. <laughs> Denis is so polite. Like, it was, it was like, a little it weird. It was a little weird. But, you know, you know it was awesome. Job. You know, it was, it was awesome. Did yeah, Jared I think Leto it, pretend like he also had his little viewfinders? 
The little lights? No, the 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 drones. The yeah, little he no, he didn't pretend that those existed, but he pretended that he was blind. So it feels off to the actual character. So he he would close his eyes when like he was coming into the set. He had to be led into the set and into position because he was blind. I would be so mad. If and I was then the he would open his eyes for acting, but his pupils were covered by those contact lenses. And so, like, he couldn't really, he could sort of see past the contacts, but not really, like, you know. But he committed to being blind completely the entire time. Imagine being the guy that has to lead him around. Oh, God. He's got perfectly functioning eyes. <laughs> and he's like, I'm just going to close them. I'm going to close them. You put me, you got me around. It's so, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. But I'll tell you what. No, I agree with you, Zach. Honestly, Jared Leto, as much as I feel exactly like all of us do about him as a person and as an actor, he, when he gets typecast, Mm-hmm. Well, he shines. He's effective. He's very effective. And he was very effective in this role. And and yeah, I could see Bowie doing it, but I could I would also guess that Bowie would just be David <laughs> Bowie. I'm sorry, I gotta <laughs> flag that. <laughs> I think that David Bowie would just play David Bowie. Yeah. Like rather than like But I think that playing David Bowie would totally suit this role. Yeah, like yeah, it, it feels I agree. appropriate in in some ways. I, I feel like Jared, Jared Leto's Leto kind of just playing Jared Leto. <laughs> he, well, yeah. Jared Leto played David Bowie, and this yeah. is what he did. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wish it would have just been the lead singer of Kiss, mm. Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons, Gene yeah. Simmons yeah. Mm. Mm. In okay. makeup, <laughs> yeah, in full Kiss makeup, <laughs> being super overweight like he is now. Okay, is he fat now? Let's move I think on. so. <laughs> I want what what do you guys think about Joy, uh, the character, the computer character played by Anna Darmus. Um, Joy is my favorite part of this movie. I like her as well. Like, and this is I I I'm gonna kind of circle back to something I brought up, brought up in Blade Runner is that Blade Runner to me feels very heartless, yeah, and, and lifeless in some ways, and I think something that this movie does really well and it's so interesting is that it brings so much human heart to a movie about where like almost one or two of the characters in the movie are actually humans and they're all robots. They're all replicants. And, uh, I'm so, I'm so invested in these replicants. I'm so invested in this love story between a robot and this AI online thing, uh, a her, you know, um, I, I love it. And this movie didn't need a love story. Like joy doesn't need to be in this movie, but I think it's like, so much better that she is in it um and it endears me so much more to Kay. uh i feel like it really it joys a really effective vehicle for like developing the character of k and i it's like crazy to me that i feel like punched in the gut that like essentially it's just a file that gets deleted when joy quote-unquote dies you know but it feels like a this like a true death. death. Yeah. 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 I loved it. I thought Ana de Armas did an excellent job. I think I disagree with what she brings to this because the entire time I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, is any of this real? Or is she just, because the whole thing about joy was hear what you want to hear, see sure. what you want to see. Yeah. And like everything where like what she brought, I felt so much pity for, uh, Kay. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, he's, 
having to take comfort in this thing that is fake yeah, and entirely fake. And he's like having to believe that it's real, but she is just here to tell him what he wants to hear. And I'm confused if that is what she's doing, but I think that is what she's doing. She's just there to be who he needs her to be. Well, and, and to your point, that's the, maybe one of the most devastating points of the movie is when he passes by the advertisement of yeah. joy and she says, I'm here to say like, that's the, the ad is, uh, say what says whatever you need to hear. And she tells him like, you, you look like a good Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, that was the, the most, the, the, like, in my opinion, like the most low I felt in the movie because was that I, moment. I think that's one of my favorite, I, I, I think favorite things about Blade Runner in general, between the, both of the movies where like the first movie, we have this kind of like story that's not necessarily this huge thing. And then in this movie, we have kind of this expectation that he is the guy, the special one or whatever, like that, that's kind of what we're, we're leading up to. And he's not, you know, in mm-hmm. the, in all of that, I like that. Like you, we don't always have to see the story of the most important person in the world. Right. Like this is just somebody who's An doing average what, Joe, maybe yeah, who, who's doing what he can do <laughs> and, and doing what he, what he should do or whatever. And I, I like that about this series because I feel like so much you're like, this is the chosen one. This is whatever. Mm. And here you're just getting a guy. Yeah. In both senses, really Deckard and K. Yeah. Scott, what do you think of joy? Well, hold on. I, I want to respond to Jake a little bit. Cause I don't, I don't feel like what you said necessarily negates what I said. Cause I, I think that that is true. And that's a really interesting component of the movie. And something that I read doing a little bit of research on it is that when we see the advertisement of joy, and we have a different voice. That is her like standard product voice, which would imply then that Kay customized her. And that like uh, Denis essentially said that like the, the standard product that you get when you first, I guess, purchase the joy is a much more like overtly sexual character. And that Kay wanted like a, a companion more than just like a, a lover, you know? And so, so he customized her, he changed her voice. He really like, you know, made her into what he wants. And I think that that even adds an extra layer of like emotional complexity and, um, makes it a little more heartbreaking the more you think about it. But I think the heart is still there and I'm fooled. It, like it passes the Turing test for me because I'm still bought into who this joy is. And I want to believe that she truly loves him. And I think that that makes the death maybe even a little more of a, of a gut punch because clearly Kay's affected by this and it couldn't have like, maybe it's just nothing there to begin with. And that's like super devastating to think about. That's what I think. Like I, maybe what I object to is your like notion that this is a love story. Where like I don't think that there is a love story here. I think this is like it, it, it's sure. what makes me pity him and feel so much more bad I think for him. Technically right. speaking, like yes, you're correct. But I think I'm being a little bit more generalizing in that like when you're watching a movie and you have two characters who are loved and they're you know that's that's an aspect of the movie. Like I, you know I'm being a little like overly and being a little reductive by saying there's a love story component. I guess what I was saying is like he's he's in love with a fake thing. Yeah, and like that, I, I think that brings a lot. Mm-hmm. to the story but it doesn't it doesn't bring like that 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 yeah that brings like just like pity and sadness for yeah. okay I, for I, me yeah i 
I actually think you're both right, but I do want to hear from Scott. It's been a long time since we've heard from from you about this. What do you think about Joy? Yeah, I said earlier, I really like her uh, character. It's one of the best things that they added into this universe was this type of being um, or not being. And uh, I think she added a lot of complexity to Kay's character that wouldn't have been there. Like we hear that he's, you know, uh, a replicant and then he's going through all of his drills and he's like checking in to like make sure that he's still good. And this is something that humanizes him for us as the viewer. And so, and like just adds so much complexity and emotion to it. Like I think the way we would have, would have seen Kay, it would, would have been so different if she wasn't in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that's, I agree. Like, kind of going back to what I was saying, like it didn't necessarily need to be in the movie. I mean, it's really not in the first movie at all, although it's kind of shoehorned in a little bit. And we didn't talk about the relationship between Deckard and Rachel. It was really weird. Because it was uncomfortable. And gross. And I wanted, yeah. I wanted to avoid it because it made me and uh, feel, feel gross. really unnatural and inorganic in my opinion. And this is done in a really like heartbreaking, but like beautiful way. And the scene where, where she brings in the replicant prostitute, is like one of the coolest and like saddest and most beautiful, like most compelling visual scenes I feel like I've ever seen in, in a film. Uh, I feel like you were disagreeing. Your face, Tyler, showed. I, I feel like you're disagreeing that the relationship between Deckard and uh, I forget her name. Yeah, Rachel. Gross. I don't think it's gross. So I don't know if we need to cut this out, but Deckard rapes her <laughs> in, in Blade Runner. Where no, he she's trying to. I leave. know what you're talking about. He throws about. her against the wall. I know what you're talking says, about. Tell me to kiss you. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I the the Wikipedia even says he forces her to do this. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I I don't. <laughs> part of this is like I don't want to like speak over something that maybe like the source material specifically says that I didn't read. So I've never read the book. Uh huh. Uh, so I don't want to say like that didn't happen if in the book, that's how they described it. But I would say emphatically, I know exactly what you're talking about. I think that you're, I think that you're taking a literal approach to the scene when Ridley Scott intended a more loose interpretation of that exchange, to be honest. Like based on, based on his words, I can see that like Ridley Scott doesn't see it that way at all. Uh, the way that you're describing, I understand why you're, why you see it that way. That wasn't his intention. And that's not the, like, that's not the plot point of the story. So I see why you took it that way wholeheartedly, but at least that wasn't the intention of the film. Yeah, that was one of the things I was the most confused about in the movie was if I was supposed to think Deckard was a good guy because I didn't, especially after that scene. I think that there is something to the reality of the way that we portrayed sex in the 50s through the early 2000s that portrayed sex in a very, like, frankly, even in films, like very pornographic way in a way that it was very like one natured because that was all audiences could really like 
accept, interpret, and process and move on about sex. And I think that like film followed suit with that. And I don't want to necessarily like turn this episode into like a deconstruction of like sex and film, but I think that you're applying 2023 sensibilities to 1982 palette. And that's probably not how audiences read that even at the time. I don't know. I don't know about that. But like, I know that like, even when I read a synopsis of the movie, it was like, he forces her into doing this, which is not like, cool. Yeah. It's, I mean, if that's, if that's really what they intended, then yeah, but that's not how Ridley Scott, the filmmaker described it. That's not how like, uh, that's not how I read it watching the film. Um, so like, yeah, if that's what they really meant, then you're right. And I think those people that you read their synopsis, they're correct. If that's what they intended, I'm saying, I don't think that's at all what they intended. Uh, getting back to Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. It, that was an interesting exchange. Um, but we could probably spend a lot of yeah, time I talking about that. I don't, don't yeah. want to like... I intentionally avoided that in the last discussion because it made me uncomfortable watching the movie. Yeah. No, but... <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and I would have... I, I Yeah, I get that. I understand why you avoided it. I'm sorry to bring it... Like, nah, to sorry. make it come back up. But, like, I definitely didn't read it the way you did. Um. One aspect of this movie that I thought was really interesting, and it is something that actually is brought up in the first one that we didn't really touch on, is like the prejudice that people have against replicants. Totally. And how we have like derogatory terms for them as like, I think it's like skinwalker. or Skin job. Skin, and skin, skin, skin job. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, when we see Ryan Gosling walking through the, the police, police department. Station. Yeah, and someone bumps him and calls him like a skin job or whatever. I thought that was really interesting. I, I would have even liked that to have been developed even a little bit more. Maybe that would have felt like trying to juggle too much, but that's an aspect of this world that I find really interesting. And in this movie, I thought it was even more interesting that there's kind of like a hierarchy of like species or class a little bit where we have like humans and then replicants, but then the replicants look down on like joy. And I thought it was really interesting when um like Mackenzie Davis's character tells, or like when, when the joy little jingle goes off and Mackenzie Davis tells Ryan Gosling like, Oh, you don't like real girls mm-hmm. when Ryan's not real. And, and Mackenzie Davis is, is not really, yeah, or right. are they, you know, like, I think that's the big question. There are a lot human. of this is like, are they real? True. Right. Yeah. Like, sure. They're not human, but, but like they're, explicitly they they're not human, Yeah, but they're more real than joy is. Yeah. Right. Even though joy is the most sympathetic character. And in a lot of ways feels like the human heart of this story. I just find all that like really interesting. I don't think she's the human heart. Really? Yeah. That was the, that was the main thing, by the way, earlier when I was making frowning faces, I knew where he was going and that's what I was mainly frowning at. Okay. But like I, my first frown was the, yeah, the Rachel thing. And I was like, "Ah, I don't know about that. And then you had like launched more into it. And I was like, yeah, I still don't think I agree with this. Hmm. I think joy existed uh, for Ryan Gosling to ultimately make a choice over what was worth dying over. And joy was not worth dying over because she wasn't inherently real. And so he dies to get Harrison Ford to meet his daughter because in Kay's mind, that 
is inherently real and worth dying for because that's what the the you know the woman says I, I don't even remember who she was in Blade Runner but like the the leader of the replicant mm. yeah. like she was somebody in the first Blade Runner but I couldn't place her was she? That was what I was oh, confused in that reveal. Yeah, she was they, somebody in the first. They were Blade looking Runner. like I was supposed to know who it was. Yeah. The, are you sure? Because I don't think she's in Blade Runner, the first one. The, she the she has to be Sally Harmson. No, I don't think that's who he's talking about. No, that's not who I'm talking. She's talking about, about Marsha from Succession. Um, I haven't watched Succession because but. she says like like you can't let Deckard lead them to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I know who you're talking obviously about. Obviously, they remember were her being Freysa. in the first one. Yeah. He am a boss. Anyway, I I mean it it sounded like she was in the original and they specifically like wrote her into this to give a little bit of like anchor to Deckert. Um but maybe not. I mean that's that's I have a, a question about what you said. Is he definitely dead, Kay? Or Joe, whatever you want to call him. He's, he's I think dead. he dies on screen. Yeah. That was what I wasn't sure if he was dead or not. Yeah, I think he dies on screen. Well, and to get back to what you're saying about Joy, I think she can be both. Like, I think everything that you Maybe said not. about her. Was, Apparently not. She, she was in not this, in. Not in Blade Runner. In Blade Runner. Because the, the way they like introduced her, it, it was like we were like supposed to know. know who it was. Yeah, yeah, we were but supposed was, to know who she was. I was really confused because I had no idea who she was. Yeah, I just assumed that she had to have been someone from Blade Runner because she acted like we were supposed to know who she was. And she says, you can't let them. You can't. Mm -hmm. You you led them to Deckard. You can't let Deckard lead them to me. And yeah. there was so much where she's like, I helped Deckard do this. I We're like. She right. obviously knew Deckard and right. was involved in all of that, but I anyway. had no idea who she was. Totally. How come? Anyway, my, well, my my point was is that that was the line that she tells him is that like uh like to die for something, to die for a worthy cause is the most human thing we can do. That's like the the ultimate line of the film. Yeah, and I I think that she can be both. I think everything you said is is absolutely correct. But I still also think that Anadarmas just feels like the most human character, and she's the easiest for me to like latch on to and emotionally invest in, and it's because of her that I can even invest in Kay, because Kay is also very cold and very detached in a lot of ways, mm. similarly to Deckard. Totally. And also, honestly, I just like Anadarmas. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I think this was pretty early for her in her American this was film like career. A this breakout for before her. Yeah. she did yes. Knives Out? Yeah, yeah. Okay. This was well before Knives Out. I, I really think she, so she's Cuban and I think that Denis had like seen a, mu a movie or done a movie with her in Cuba and like really liked her and decided to cast her. Mm. So she was a nobody like when she got cast in this. And uh, so was, uh, by the way, uh, the person who plays uh, the the actual real girl, she's not on this list. It doesn't look like that we're looking oh, at. Oh, the right memory now. maker? The memory maker. Oh, the 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 replicant that was born. Yeah, she was a nobody like she had done no US film roles mm. before this. She was like a Swedish like she had done a couple of films in Sweden. Is she in other things? Because I don't think I've seen her in other things. I don't know if she's gone on, but like Denis like specifically surrounded Ryan with like really competent females who were nobodies before okay. for the most part, you know, like it was like, let's just, let's just like support him with the best possible female actors. And I think all of them, the, the four main 
sort of females in this film did exceptional, especially compared to the first Blade Runner where all of the female characters felt like throwaways. Yeah. How did you guys feel about uh, old man Harrison Ford in this movie? I liked him. I, I liked him. I have a hard time. And I don't know what it is, but I just have a hard time with old man Harrison Ford. I like, I like young Harrison Ford. I think he's cool. I enjoy watching him, but something about him as the, the crotchety old man, I just can't, get on board with and i don't know what it is i'll say one thing is this movie makes me care so much more about his relationship with rachel and kind of makes oh, me totally. care more about both of those characters to totally. be honest i had a weird like probably because about what we were talking about earlier i just such a weird or just i didn't i didn't care about his relationship with rachel because all of it felt tainted to me i feel like i was able to let this movie recontextualize their relationship I wasn't. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I guess I didn't feel weird about it in the first place and watching the extension of it felt exciting to me and really intriguing and interesting and human. Um, but uh, in particular, one of the things I really loved about how they wrote the two stories together is that you have at the beginning and end of each of these films it's a replicant giving essentially like their last breath is to give to Harrison Ford is to give to Deckard. Hmm. I thought that was a really interesting between the two movies, like a synchronicity, like that Beatty dies, like saves Harrison Ford inexplicably and then dies. And then Kay saves Deckard inexplicably and then dies. Yeah. You know, like I, that yeah. was a really interesting, like I hadn't picked up on that, but like Deckard is definitely the hero of Blade Runner, both movies. Like it's uh -huh. not K at all. Yeah. Like he's really a foil in some ways to like to Deckard. Uh -huh. I will say when Harrison Ford is introduced into this film, I, I really like that. That's one of my like favorite parts of the movie when they're in Vegas. And I love the way that Vegas is designed. Beautiful. Especially when they go into like the showroom and we have the holographic Elvis. Oh yeah. And that was a that. fun fight. It's a fun fight. And it's so like visually and like audio wise, like so compelling and mm -hmm. disorienting and weird and unique. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I think that was the scene also that, kind of led me to the Deckard is a human where Deckard was just punching uh, K oh, and K yeah. was just taking it, just yeah. taking it. And he was just like, I don't want to hurt you. Right. I don't want to hurt you. And then I was like, okay, he's definitely not on the same level. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I wasn't sure in the first movie, but for sure Deckard is human. Yeah. De most definitely after watching 2049. And I, I agree. I like the story more if he's a human. I do too. Yeah. I just, I think it's better. Well, it was Ridley like, Scott's fault that he might have been a replicant. It was just Ridley Scott is a bad guy. It's, it's all Ridley it Scott's fault. It's Ridley like, Scott's fault. Like not knowing that And by that years, we mean it's Scott Shooty's fault. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Not knowing that 40 years later there was going to be this sequel made. I think that's a very interesting thing to explore in Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. But I do agree that taking these two movies together... It's much more interesting if he is a human. Yeah, but I don't. I don't necessarily think it was a bad idea no. to raise the question no. in Blade Runner because sure. I I Blade Runner was Blade Runner. Yeah, you know? I, I think there was little things though in, in that movie, like at the in the, even in the end when he does the jump and he can't jump that mm -hmm. far, right? And yeah. then Beatty 
easily does easily it. does it. Yeah, like I think there's things that indicate. Oh, he's I agree, human. but there are also things that indicate that he might not be in the first one. That's what left most of the audience pretty split. You know, um, but no, I agree, Jake. I I think that it wasn't the wrong decision to explore that idea. I agree. I was mostly teasing. Scott, what do you think of old man Harrison Ford? Uh. I don't know. He kind of feels like uh, he doesn't know what's going on, and he's just saying the things he's supposed to say. That's okay. how I feel about every old man. Like that—that's a good way to say it. That's how I feel about everything he does as an old man. Yeah, it, Star Wars. Honestly, too. yeah. Oh, he reminds was me awful of Star Wars. Um, <laughs> although I think this person executed better, uh, Liam Neeson for Star Wars when he was Qui Gon Jinn. Okay, he was in an interview where he said, "Like, yeah, I know nothing about Star Wars. Like, I was saying stuff. I was like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Like, Harrison, and I don't know why. I'm just saying stuff. Like, I, I heard Ford has like a, a respect for this though. Yeah, more he than he does Star really, Wars. Like, he didn't want to do Star Wars. He was actively excited about this project. Yeah, I mean, he got his own cut of the first one. So, <laughs> like, I yeah, I don't know why. Speaking of Liam Neeson and Star Wars, I don't know why Liam Neeson. I like, I heard him on Conan's podcast talking about how he was pretty confused about what was going on in Star Wars, and that endeared me to him so much. But then talking because I, I maybe the the difference is that Harrison Ford just hated it, and it was what made made him who he is that I just hate listening to how, how much Harrison Ford hates star Wars. Um, I think I want to change like a jerk a little bit in real life. Yeah. Yeah, No, I I have kind of a funny anecdote. Uh, when there was discussions about the, the sequel to this movie or to, to Blade Runner, this movie, um, Harrison Ford came to the producers and was like, Hey, like this Ryan Gosling guy, he's a pretty good actor. You should maybe consider him for the main character. And they're like, yeah, we know. Like, we're all, we've are we already reached out to him. Like, he's clearly the best person for the love, job. Love that Harrison, <laughs> Harrison Ford tried to discover Ryan Gosling. No, Harrison Ford Harrison Ford said exactly that. I, I watched him say it in an interview. Exactly that. Yeah, I think he we was watched like, the same He interview. was like, I, I went to them and I was like, oh, you got to get this guy, Ryan Gosling. And they were like, yeah, dude, we know. <laughs> like, that's was how Harrison characterized deal. it. Like, Harrison yeah. Ford was like, this we guy, know. Ryan Gosling, he's literally me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was... Uh, he's a young me. He's a young me. It was uh, Denny in particular. Denny went to, uh, to Scott and he was like, hey, man, I'm really thinking Ryan Gosling for this. And uh, according to Ridley Scott, Ridley Scott said that was when I knew that this was the right pair because like I, that's who I saw for this as well. Like so Scott, who is super invo- like Scott was the executive producer of it. He gave the project to Denny like he wanted to see this through and like made it happen with um, with Francher, the writer um, the original writer for Blade Runner and they, they like figured it all out. And, and Scott was like, I think Ryan Gosling's the guy. And then Denny told him that and he was like, yep. And then they went to Harrison and Harrison was like, I really think you guys should get this guy. I don't know if you've heard of him before Ryan Gosling. And they were like, yeah, we're on it. Like, <laughs> uh, what did you guys think of the Ana de Armas McKenzie Davis scene with Ryan Gosling? I thought that it was, uh, an interesting scene. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was an interesting idea that she would want to do that. Uh, I, I found it uncomfortable, but okay. I don't know. I, I don't know that that was against what was wanted for that. Like, cause like, it's like, she's like, 
bringing somebody else in to be the shell. Yeah. The physical shell yeah, for her. Yeah. Right. Artificial. Like it's intentionally it, intimate and awkward. And yeah. Where it's like, it's like this very intimate moment between them that, that she has to bring somebody mm-hmm. else in to just kind of like be like, uh, and it was like, even like where like they weren't totally in sync and there were, their hands were out of sync and their, their faces right. were out of sync in a way that just made it feel so weird because it is weird. Yeah. Uh, but I, don't like I'm I don't think it was a bad scene I think it was a good scene but it did make me feel weird I think that that's like when really joy passes the touring test for me and really makes me question like does she actually have genuine genuine love for Kay because everything prior to that does feel like it could have just been like very easily programmed to like what Kay would want but in that moment and I think it's Ana de Armas I think it's her acting there's like, there's pain. Like you can see pain in her face during that scene, like wishing so badly that she could provide what she can't, that she has to bring Mackenzie Davis in to do. And there's pain on Ryan Gosling's face in that moment as well. And it, like confliction. And it's like so heartbreaking. And it's such a beautiful scene. Where it, it kind of I, feels like they both want, <laughs> they both want to do it for each other and neither of them yeah. necessarily wants to do it. Yeah. Like it's it's such a complex scene, yeah. Like so emotionally complex, um. That, yeah, it's, I love it. I mean, it's it, it is uncomfortable. It's it's a lot. It's yeah. interesting. Like in the first movie, like you know, you have uh, Rachel, and like there's like the biblical like, um, yeah, like where yeah. He connects they it. elude that, and that, then that this made me story. wonder if that was like how was that just a coincidence? And then here, it, it kind of reminds me once again of like the Rachel Bible story where like Rachel mm, can't yeah. provide something for her right. husband. So then she brings in a concubine to like provide that thing for him. And then she's kind of like mad at that person then afterwards, which was kind of Anna Darmus's reaction. Like after the whole thing was done the next morning, she's like, we're done with you. You can yeah. go. It's so funny. I, I actually don't. I don't think that I agree at all. I think that I think that With Joy's who? I guess both you guys. I think that Joy's uh existence to be honest is super derivative to me like it's not interesting or or like new and I also don't think that it's like um I think that it's a uh, I think that it's important like uh device to expose us to Kay's motivations, but I don't think that like she is truly like a, a a character in and of herself. I mean, obviously she's a character, you know, but like, I don't think that she's like the, the purpose of writing her into it. I don't think that it's, it doesn't, it doesn't rise to me to the same like threshold kind of that you're talking about. To me, she's Tinkerbell. That's that's interesting. For you, she's not anything more than a computer program. Well, yeah, she's she's a vehicle for us to be able to understand K, but not an inherent character that we're supposed to necessarily attach to or learn anything about. She's important to like advance certain elements of character exposition and plot, not necessarily like a, a central point of the story that we're supposed to lean onto. Jake, I think you I, seem to like no, resonate with I what think I, I said. I agree. I think I agree with what you said. 
100% that she exists to give us an insight into Kay and like understand his character. But at the same time, and maybe because this is literally me, I did attach to her. Yeah, I don't understand why like, she can't be both. Like, I think she is both, but I, I understand what you're saying. We're like, like the, she exists to show us Kay, but al- almost for me, put me in Kay's shoes where uh, I do get attached somehow. Like, I, I, I guess you, I, I think I agree with what you're saying. I don't know that why she can't be both, but that's an interesting, like, she's Tinkerbell. Like I think she, that, 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 that's a good way to say it. Yeah. But at the same time, I, some, I, like, I still do get attached to her, like Kay does. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I like Tinkerbell. I think Tinkerbell, yeah. if Tinkerbell doesn't have any personality, then, like, yeah, she, she doesn't achieve her, her function uh, to reveal Peter and Wendy to us. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that I think that Joy existed to reveal Kay to us, and I think to reveal to Kay how important real connection is, and that it's something that he has never experienced. Yeah, and that uh, it is something real connection is something worth dying over, mm-hmm. even if it's not uh, his own. Just like Beatty died to save Deckard's life because life is worth saving, even if it can't be his own. And so like, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I think that, I think that joy is brilliantly written, but I don't think that she's brilliantly written as a character. I think she's brilliantly written as a device. Yeah. I just don't really see how that's like in disagreement with what I'm saying is just not a human character by any means. Like it doesn't, she doesn't feel or read human. She's a device. She doesn't feel human to you at all. So like it, Anna Darmus in that scene in her acting doesn't feel human. No, her, her acting is incredible. Don't get me wrong. Her acting, she, she's acting the role that she is, that she has been written, but the role that she has been written is not to be like this human anchor it's to be she's Tinkerbell. Like to be a device real for us human to, emotion. Yeah, and I think it's really great acting. I'm I, not disagreeing that it's I, good yeah. acting. I think it's, it's just, yeah. she's Kay's anchor, right? Like, like she's Kay's. My is it, it's like saying the 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 scene of like hiding the toy horse is like uh, the most impactful thing Kay does. Well, Kay doesn't even do it. I don't see how that's the same at all. To be honest, it because it's just not what the like the writing reveals I think that what you're describing is not maybe what, what, is, what I'm trying what to say. Is, wrote. I think the like the most human aspect of this movie is the heartbreak that Kay feels, and that's all because of Joy and their relationship is like the human heart of the of the story. I don't, and I disagree. I think the human heart of the story is Kay's death, not Joy's death. <laughs> Also, I mean, I think it's it, they're kind of like related because it is all Kay's story, really. I don't think it is. I think it's all Deckard's story. Okay, but Deckard's barely in the movie. Like, I know, but all of it is still De- like the ending reveals that all of this has been Deckard's story. It's not Kay's story. Okay, I mean, just I, because Deckard's the one who lives doesn't mean it's his story. I think in light of the first movie, that's what I'm saying. I'm tying them together and I'm saying that all of them together including 2049 are Deckard's story and we only find out that 2049 is Deckard's story in the last like little bit and especially in the last scene of the movie we find out that this is all Deckard's story because like everything Kay does I guess in the end is insert like to serve 
in Deckard. service of Deckard. It's it's the exact same thing as Beatty's end. I feel like and what so I've, just like Jake, you said Beatty is not he's the antagonist, but he's not the villain of the movie. I think that K is the antagonist of the movie, not the protagonist. You think K's the antagonist? <laughs> yeah, I that I, I don't, don't yeah, understand I don't at I all. Can get on board with that. That K, how is K the well, antagonist? Well, I guess I shouldn't say the antagonist. I think K is the protagonist. I guess what I'm saying is, is he's like, it, I, I guess no, I misspoke. What I'm trying to say is, just like you said in Blade Runner, we find out at the end that the the replicants are the antagonist, but not the not the villain. villain. I think we find out at the end of this movie that Kay is not the protagonist. I feel like if Joy didn't feel like a genuine, like human character, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to prove that she's human. She's clearly not. And for all we know, she's completely programmed to be whatever Kay wants her to be. But if I it think that's feel, what we find out. I, I think know. that's what the movie actually reveals to us is my point. Yeah, no, I know. And I, I haven't been in disagreement with that at okay. all. But what I'm saying is she feels human to us as the audience member. And if she didn't, her death would be meaningless. I, I agree. And that's what makes it a good that's device. That's why I don't feel not like we're saying... personal character. That's why I don't understand her in the story. It's not human. I think I understand. I think <laughs> the whole point is to show us how inhuman she is. I, I, think I, I haven't under- said she's not. Like, I think I understand your disagreement here. So <laughs> you... I think, Zach, you here are approaching this with Kay as the protagonist, the hero of this story. And so because she, Joy, is real and is anchoring to Kay, that I think is, is what you're saying. But Tyler is saying that Kay is not the hero, not the protagonist of this story. And I think this is where your disagreement is. I'm not positive. We're like, it, it's Deckard's story. And so to I Tyler, think- Joy is showing us the... And, and yes, exactly what you're saying to me, like on like exactly what you're saying. And to me, like the reason why I compared her to Tinkerbell, I do think it's a fairly astute comparison, like comparing her to Tinkerbell. Like we find out at the end of Peter Pan that Peter Pan is not the protagonist of Peter Pan. Wendy is the protagonist of Peter Pan. Like we find that out only at the end that like Peter is not even like who, like it's a misdirect in storytelling. And I think that all of K is a misdirect in storytelling. I think that Joy is a device to expose us to K's uh, longing for connection. And that's it. And she does it beautifully. I think the the writing is great. I think the acting is phenomenal. Um, but like after she's gone, it's a devastating blow. But after she's gone, we immediately forget about her importance or existence because none of it matters because at the same time we find out that K doesn't matter. Like minutes after finding out that joy can be eradicated without a thought, uh, we find out that K does not matter at all, that he is a cog in this story. And the real protagonist this whole time has been Deckard. And, you know, like I, so I guess my point is, I agree with you. I think Anna Darmus does a great job. I just don't think she's written by any stretch of the imagine imagination for me to be a like very like human and feeling character. She exists to make K to make us realize how lonely K is. I think, and that's that, it. I think that K. I feel like that. A lot. I feel like, like that implies then that. Denis did something incredibly effective, in my opinion, on accident. 
which doesn't feel like that's what I happen. think it's on purpose. That's what I'm saying. He so then did I all have of this no on idea purpose. like how we're disagreeing then. I think because like I know she's not human. And I think what's really interesting is the humans get, in this story are the most cold and we're the most attached from them. And then we get diluted down to the replicants and they feel we sympathize, sympathize with them. We sympathize with Dave Batista. We sympathize with the resistance. We obviously sympathize with Kay. And then we even dilute that down a little bit more to joy and joy feels like the most selfless, the most like, especially in that scene, like I I'm seeing like real human pain and I know it's not real, like in the story, I know it's completely programmed. It's com like she's AI. Uh, but it feels like for me as the audience member, like that's the scene where I'm feeling the most human emotion. And that's all I'm really saying is like, it's drawing out of me the most human emotion. So that's where I feel like I'm experiencing the most like heart in the story, but I'm not like necessarily saying in like literal, in a literal sense that she is like the mo the human. Cause she's not, she's clearly like not a human character and she's not the heart of the story. I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess in a that's literal what, sense, that's what you, that's what I'm fighting against is you were like, she's the heart of the story. And I'm like, no, she's really not. She's not even a main character. And I think we're, she's I, a, she's a plot device. I think you said something. Well, oh, sorry. I, I guess I think maybe then I shouldn't have said it that way. What really, what I meant by that was the relationship between Kay and uh, Joy feels like the heart of the movie. And that's what I'm saying is I, I completely disagree. Okay. I, we, yeah. we can disagree. Yeah. 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 yeah that's no, but, the, but that's the heart of the, the argument. Like we got back to the beginning. Okay. Of the argument. I mean, is, I feel like that's everything I've said was to disagree. With it's what so much that. more present throughout the movie, but yeah, then I guess at the very end that does like, that's kind of what we're leading to, but I feel like they're all one in the same, like it's all like connected. And so I, I feel like it can kind of be all of it. It doesn't have to be so, like, black and white. I guess, yeah. I think also you said something I, I disagree with pretty hard was that K doesn't matter. K, we're, like, even though K's story is to serve Deckard, ultimately, yeah. we, we're watching K's story. We're not watching, in this movie, we're not watching Deckard's story. Sure. We're watching K's story. And so to the movie that we're watching, to the story we're watching, K is... K matters. And to the overall meta story, I would say K matters in that he brings Deckard to his child. Uh, and whatever that, whatever the implications of that are for the future, K was instrumental in bringing that ab about that wouldn't have happened without K. So I, I think K is important in the meta story, but also in this movie, I think he's incredibly important. And I agree with you completely in the sense that like he is as important. That was going back to that. I misspoke earlier. I kind of drew a connection in my head that like I thought I could jump to and I was wrong, but this is what I was trying to say. K is as important in my opinion to blade runner to the two of them as Beatty is but only as important as Beatty is. Yeah, I think in a, in a literal sense that's true, but I think just as an as a consumer of this story, like... I think, I think maybe I, yeah, in, like, and, the overall... And I agree. Story. I think that, like, don't get me wrong, like, I love this movie. I think it's really great. I really love Ryan Gosling. I think, like, I love it. Like, but, but, like, the reality is we get to the end of the story and we realize that this is just a continuum of Blade Runner. Yeah. Like, Denis has, like artfully created a recursive moment where we are circling back to everything about Blade Runner and we realize that everything that we just watched was totally within the heart and spirit of the first film. And we don't really fully realize that until the end. 
And in that same moment, we realized that none of this was even about, uh, about Kay, just like none of this was about Beatty. It was all about Deckard and Rachel. And again, it's all about Deckard and not Rachel because Rachel died in childbirth, but the daughter that Rachel gave him that he's been estranged from this whole time. Like it's, it, it reveals to us just like Blade Runner did that everything that we've been looking at, it's a misdirect. Like, yeah, we've been talking about all this, but really what matters is this. And they do the same thing in this. And it is to like the function of the story is to, uh, I, I guess it, like ultimately like put certain characters in their place so to speak and and this happens again and again and now again in in this film and we we've gone super over I, what, i've been i was, I was about to say I'm sorry i think and i feel like we're all kind of in agreement like, i think I feel like other yeah. than the idea that like the heart of the movie can't be this because it must be this like i've agreed with everything you've said like i, I think it's a really good analysis and you're right this is deckard's story and at the like the ending tells us that I think here, here's, here's, I'm going to just completely take us off this track to get us to the end. Uh, a, a little silly observation I made. So this movie, right, they leave L.A., they go towards San Diego, and they end up in a literal dump. I think that's Riverside. No, it's, oh, got it. Yeah, <laughs> They're going yeah. towards, like, I think that there's going a real. Vegas. The dump no, is in San Diego. It's a San Diego, like, leaving L.A. metro area, it's a San Diego sector. Yeah. But I don't know where that lands. You think it's, I think, I think it's Marina Valley. It could, it could be Marina Valley. <laughs> I think it's Riverside County. Somewhere uh, in the IE. I think somewhere it's somewhere in the, in the Inland Empire. Like, yeah. there's a chance that this is where the horse was hidden, where we're sitting right now. No. <laughs> and I, I love that. I, I will say for sure, Ridley Scott and Denis have very, like, uh, sad outlooks on LA, San Diego, and Vegas. Yeah. So, okay. like, <laughs> but that's, I, I love that this might be where the furnace yeah. gets built. Uh, that the horse gets hidden. We're right here. In, yeah. An observation that I had too, as much as it's just a meme that like Ryan Gosling is the dude that like nerdy guys think is literally them. This is a story about how Ryan Gosling gets like really sad when his AI girlfriend gets deleted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe there, maybe there's something to that. We have, as much as you love this movie, we have very, very different takes on this movie. <laughs> what do you what do you guys say we put this one in the books? I don't think Scott said anything for the last half hour of that episode. <laughs> Scott didn't say anything for most of both of these episodes. There was enough conversation I didn't need to. But chime we in. we like when you chime in. I tried several times to like punt us to Scott, but you yeah, know. but it's I like responded you, and then there was arguments that went around. You know, but join in. Join in the arguments. We like we like you. And we like when you talk. You know that sometimes though you guys get in conversations where like I just don't have as strong of an opinion yeah, or like, like really like Yeah, that's what yeah. Scott's doing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's like, what cuz honestly for me like you guys are arguing about something that I'm like I think you guys are arguing about different things. It's similar to when you and Will used to argue. I think I agree. And you guys that. were arguing about different things and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to let them do their thing and then we're going to end the episode. I think I agree too. I think we were arguing about different things. I just kept getting told we were saying the same thing. I was trying to figure out where the 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 disparity in the argument was. I think I agree though that you guys were not like that. And I guess I was. Me and Zach and you were arguing about different things, but I didn't. I couldn't figure out where the disconnect was, and I was trying very hard. 
Well, on that alarm, let's put this one in the books. Uh, Jake needs to do PT. So I do need to do physical therapy. (laughs) Zach, you're up first. I'm going to give this movie 9.7 horses hidden in Riverside. (laughs) Wow. I think I'm going to be the lowest, so I'm going to go next. I'm going to give this 8.1 horses that are wooden in a furnace that aren't in Riverside. But maybe in Raider Valley? Maybe. (laughs) Jake. Uh, I'll go ahead and give this 8.4 movies about me. Tyler. Not you. You are, you are the lowest, but not by a lot. 8.3. Uh, androids who dream of electric sheep. And oh, there it is. <laughs> this comes out to an 87%. Once again, uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 88 and IMDb gave it an eight. So we're right in between the two of them. This comes out to movie number 24 out of 156. Nice. Where are we going next week, Scott? Next week we go, we're going to figure out the fate. The fate. Can the I tell you something? The- I keep forgetting that it's called... Dude, I think this episode is just going to be effed up.